0: What's up everyone, welcome to episode 79 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by UK and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I am your host slash your boy, Chris Pughin, as ever. I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis, mate, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. Summer is coming to a close, which is sad, Um, but I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to getting
1: back in the routine of work, but other than that,
0: all is well. On our last episode, I was saying that on our next episode, i.e. this one, we would be going back to work like that week, and that we might be in, uh, our spirits might be substantially lower than there had been two weeks prior. How are your spirits on this uh, on this <laughs> Tuesday, the thirty first <31st> of August?
1: <laughs> are they substantially lower, or yeah. um, or more than uh, my spirits are okay? Although um, directly after this podcast, I do have to go buy some work clothes and, uh, and do th- right, and, okay. and buy some stationery and have, those, have that kind of shopping trip. Um, and then I'm just going to just going to get a chill and try and escape the, um, the the growing feeling of misanthropy that always accompanies uh, the return to work. The thing is, though, I really like my job. I really yeah. love my job. I love working with the kids, but I can't help but always feel the night before the couple of days before this tingling feeling of like, not, it's like nerves and dread and, and like kind of kind of excitement and all those sort of things because the buildup of being a wife, and wife for so long and now that it's going to be incredibly busy when, when you sort of get back, um it's hard to escape those feelings. So my spirits are a lower lesson, certainly, but not substantially. I think I think I'm gonna be able to push through it. How are yours? Yours is yours. Equal, is your big big year for you coming yeah, up,
0: man? It's a big year for me. My spirits are sound. If it wasn't for the fact that I'm so incredibly ill, which people who are listening can probably tell by the way my voice sounds, and also the way I look. Um, yeah, man, I, I since last Props since we you went to out... for
1: keeping the video going right now, yeah. man. Like it's some bravery going
0: on. Perfect. Since we went out last uh last week in Nottingham, man, I've had uh, um, it's it, it. I'm not like rolling around like I can't get out of bed. This sucks. It's just you know that constant like fuzz feeling in your mind. I've, I've took yeah. several. I've took several lateral flow tests and they're all negative, so I know it's not COVID. But like you know, you, you, your brain feels fuzzy. Your eyes feel heavy. Your nose is constantly yeah. running. It's a pain. It only seems like it's a pain. And it, what, could I think of a worse time for it to happen? Because I know on thursday first day back it's going to be 100 miles an hour and i haven't got time to blow my nose do you know what i mean i've got <laughs> i've got fifty thousand things i need <laughs> to do be some, before blowing my nose
1: some, <laughs> some woman running the 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 strategy you'll be grabbing a tissue there would you mr pew you got any more pens in your hand, can you
0: brilliant <laughs> honestly this, mate this that's like, it
1: sorry it's just like <laughs> snot pouring down your nose as you're taking notes on a lecture that's never ended. exactly
0: oh, that incredible. bro exactly that Look, so with me and you like we make out that we don't love our jobs we, we very 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 much love our jobs yeah, man absolutely but, but I'm in the same I'm in the same kind of category as you because you, your brain gets into this false sense of security right where six weeks away from work your brain gets used to the idea of what do you mean I've got to wake up at half past six I'll wake yeah. up at ten o'clock. Like I've woke up at ten o'clock for the last six weeks. Do you know what I mean? Your brain just falls it falls into that kind of pattern. Uh, so it, the the idea of moving that my brain backwards three and a half hours, especially in feeling like this, is is something of a daunting task. Let's see. Even when I'm at work, my brain doesn't turn on until like midday. <laughs> uh, i'm teaching first period in know pilot
1: man and then it's like i wake up like halfway through like some speech on shakespeare it's like i'm fully conscious again it's like being born it's incredible come 11 o'clock um, you
0: automatically remember what a compound sentence is. you're like oh that's what it is yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like i just see like superlative definitions just flying around me and i was stuff. yeah i'm with you man.
0: This is a rock and metal podcast, believe it or not, uh, sponsored by Brain Records. We hit you every fortnight, available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, basically wherever you get your podcasts, we will be there. The best way to support us is by subscribing slash liking or following, depending on whatever service you are using. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast, both me and Sam run that account. On this week's show... There really, really isn't much going on in terms of news, or at least in terms of news that I'd like to discuss with Sam. So instead, we've got album reviews from Carcass, Aborted, and Turnstile, plus we have a, but you will see by the title of this episode, we are returning to guest interviews. We felt very guilty two weeks ago for not including a guest interview. So today, we have Tommy Rogers from Between the Buried and Me, and it was also completed by Sam, only his second ever interview. I've only heard snippets of it. Uh, it's, it was great from the snippet i've heard because i haven't edited it fully yet sam give our listeners an insight into what that interview entailed please um the first 10 minutes of me just shouting how do you do this
1: At him. <laughs> Fair, and just fair. being like I, I don't really know we just sit around and, and write stuff and this is what happens um it's actually it's actually a really nice conversation that, that we ended up having with him discussion on on the album on the history of the band on the, the the changing face of prog metal and a little bit elsewhere, like Harry Heathercock with stuff on tour, um, and Michael Jordan somehow. Um, Amazing. I, knew the you'd get that I, I can't. I, I haven't. I haven't met. I haven't met a different. I haven't met a new person at all in the last three years that I haven't managed to sneak uh, MJ into the last conversation. So it, it makes sense that I would also talk about it to a lead to singer of a prog metal band. Brilliant for a podcast. So, but um, yeah, it's it was it was a great conversation. This guy is a genius musician, part of an incredible band. Their album is fantastic. If you haven't heard that, and this was this conversation was a furthering on that, on how that process has come together. Really,
0: I said there was no news that I want us to really go into. Quick mention though: every time I die's new record, Radical, is out on October twenty second. That is going to be. I could tell you right now, mate, that is going to be in my album of the year listing. There is no band I trust more than every time I die. I, I actually think they've got a shout to be the twenty first century's best band in the sense of literally every record they've ever done has been an eight out of ten at least like they are they are ridiculous they're such an amazing amazing band so i'm concrete certain that radical will make it into at least my album of the year listing um obviously for yourself we will have to wait and see because i i I think like i'm fairly more familiar with every time i die than you but I, i think that mate i just that they're amazing that album will be amazing, and I, I'm just absolutely certain it's going to appear in at least my album of the year listing. The other album, uh, now just quickly, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, Wage War, they've got an album called Manic out on October first. Um, is it never or never for Wage War? Like, if it doesn't. Because we mentioned them a few, we were, t- I forgot what album we were talking about a few weeks ago where I mentioned them. And I was like, oh, do you remember Wage War well, were really good? Or, Sleep or
1: Walker.
0: Sleep Waker, that was it, Sleep Waker. Sleep Waker, not Walker, by Um me Again, me and you saw them and we were like, wow, like this is great. And they had they're, they're this real like surge of momentum behind them. And that's kind of died down. And Sam, do you feel like it's like if this album doesn't really bang, it's going to be never? yeah
1: they're going to go from um i hope the next wage war album is going to be good To do you remember wage war that is, that yeah. is going to be the shift that starts to take place uh the last album was okay yeah it was all um, right but they they but they they, they certainly overdid the melodic element to it, kind of diluted the rest of it if they get this right they're right back in the conversation because they've got a lot of cachet built up in the industry already so i'm optimistic i think we should probably review it it's worth having oh, a conversation and talking about um but yeah um there's, there's a lot to look forward to this year. Like I was, I was, I was tweeting about in the noise podcast. I have discounting a couple of great EPs reviewed as well this year, yeah, but yeah. I have, a, I have at least 15 full albums that are like strong considerations for an album of the year list already. And it's yeah. August the 31st. And I've, I have no doubt that the next podcast is probably going to have another two or three yeah. that I'm probably going to be considering. And, and that's the, and that's, that's including albums. We've not even managed to talk about on this. On this pod yet, like like Phineas, like teenage wrists, yeah, um, yeah, like yeah. like lifeblood, um, like you know what I mean. there's like the whole host of stuff going on. It's 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 a really wonderful time for music. You you were saying to me the other day we were talking about it, and you were saying you know we always talk about being born in the wrong decade. Do you think that we weren't? And I'm actually starting to agree with you. I used to I used to grow up thinking, well, what well, it wouldn't be great to be like 20 in 1990, um and then master Puppets came out when you were 16 and the black album came out when you were 21 and then the whole 90s thing with all metal and stuff but now i'm thinking with the availability and ease in which you can access music coupled with where metal is right now we're we're approaching i think another sort of golden age i just people won't talk about it in the same way because like the charts aren't there do you know what yeah. i mean and, and yeah. we're not in that 80s rock festival thing where like Ozzy Osbourne's like a massive rock star. Do you know what I mean? Bands aren't in the public eye as much. But in terms of like, if you're a hard metal fan, we are we are really having a hotbed at the moment, which is just a wonderful time to be, to do, to do the work that sort of we're doing. It's a wonderful
0: time to be around. Mate, you just made an absolutely amazing point there that I've never actually thought about before. If, that's such a good point. If-
1: I never know what point it was. I'm no, thinking. no.
0: If the influx that we've currently got of like this incredible run of metal records was taking place at a time where there were also superstar acts in metal that were in the mainstream we i think we'd be recognizing there as the greatest period of metal potentially ever like i don't i don't know this but was the 80s as consistently brilliant as these last three years i don't don't, know i don't don't know i don't
1: think so I, i think look man like i'm not going to pretend to know every single band that was massive in 1988 of course of course yeah but i i would hasten to suggest if you took a list of the the 20 biggest metal bands of 1988 right after metallica megadeth sepultura slayer um and a few like so yeah anthrax um and a few of those Pantera. that take that lot out is the seventh best metal band in 1988 as good as the seventh best best metal band in 2021? Because I reckon I could get through like 25 great metal bands, right? That mean you could just, we could we could do this for ages, actually. We could just list great metal bands that have been around in the last three or four years. I think we'd get to a point where it was like, are they good? Until like 50.
0: Yeah, and I don't, that's I just a good don't point, the, man. I don't
1: think the depth is there. But I also think if you're in 1988, Chris, how are you finding um, Sleep Token? In 2019, no. who's who's yeah. who's where 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 were they appearing? Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you maybe you read a snippet about them in, a, in in an article. Maybe someone hands you a cassette tape. You hear them on the radio. Like, bands just have to tore their asses off to actually just you have to physically see them and then hunt them out. Um, do you know what I mean? Even even Metallica weren't getting like a, we didn't have an MTV music video until 1989. Do you know what I mean? So it's it, it's tougher. Uh, so I, I think that's contributing as well like and 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 the, the work that we're doing on, on on social media and interacting with these bands and things like that like if 1988 me you were doing a podcast or something yeah. like like or do like a radio show in like our bedrooms in 1988 we're not getting a, a member of between the buried and me or what the equivalent is for 1988 to sit in our living room and talk no, about his no. favorite favorite bass lines or whatever it's just not it's just not happening the the, the access to relationships are just so much easier to to get across like you look the other day and i'll stop this tangent in a minute i promise no um, do carry on dan dan hillier is a massive fan of the band sugar horse and he's yeah. been they're a tiny little band that came out near him in bristol yeah. that he's been promoting for like two years and he wrote he writes articles about him talks about them on twitter and they came out the new album's really good i haven't heard it but I, t- I trust his judgment and they have a conversation they share his ideas they share his articles they have a conversation about it when they tour, I'm assuming you'll get a press pass, but that just doesn't happen mm. in nineteen ninety. It just yeah. I just absolutely absolutely doesn't, unless you're the sort of person that would that you just turn up to gigs and just try your luck and things like that. We're not we're not in that in that world. So I do actually to bring it right back to our current conversation, I think we are living in a real, real hotbed. And I just think the fact that trivium aren't as big as Iron Maiden were in nineteen eighty nine means that people don't aren't seeing um metal and rock with the real <laughs> the real fantastic um, development that it has because the talent is just abundant at the moment. It is just superb.
0: Everyone wants to be 18 right when Slipknot's debut album comes out everyone wants to be like an adult and see that happening everyone wants to be 15 when dookie comes out by green day and i think that's where me and you that's where me and you said before me and you might have been born in the wrong decade but like to the point where i mentioned to you the other day maybe we weren't because we we're, look at this ridiculous run that we are getting of metal right now and you just really confirmed the point in my head that actually i don't think we were born in the wrong decade because mate our next podcast in 2 weeks is reviewing the new Iron Maiden record, which is out this coming Friday, 3rd of September. The new Rivers of Nile album, the new Employed to Serve album, and the new Sleep Token album. I mean, please. I mean, It'll that is a amazing. Podcast, yeah, yeah. And I've got an interview that I've already completed that I can't say who it was with yet to put on that. So that, that is going to be the long, probably longest podcast we've ever done. But just to accent your point there, mate, we weren't born in the wrong decade, I don't think. This is a really, really special time for for metal I mean I, I I don't think I've I can think of a year where just seems if we just like kind of condense the argument down to specifically Deathcore an album as good as Lifeblood by Brand of Sacrifice but also we've had Asaya and Cognitive and Lorna Shore's album and Humanity's Last Breath's album and we've got Volvadinia coming out as well yeah. what is happening this is crazy this is crazy we've got Signs of the Swarm coming out as well what's going on this is the wildest thing ever
1: yeah i I completely agree that the the genre the genre has widened to to such a degree now where if you like a if you like a niche genre like hardcore or you like a niche genre like death metal or like melodic death metal or even progressive death metal there's like 15 really good bands now yeah in, in that in that niche let alone the whole the whole umbrella Think of think of think of the bands that we've reviewed over the last two or three years while doing this podcast. What percentage of them would you say that we were like new? No. Because I think it's like like 50-60% now. Yeah, their yeah. Bands are yeah. either bringing out like their first major album or they've burst onto the scene, or they're the sort of band that have been bubbling under the surface for four or five albums and now they've sort of they've sort of pushed themselves into the public eye, you know. Um and and this is this is just another another example of that and having having a platform here to be able to to talk about it to review it and and put it in context of the genre as a whole is 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 a privilege because i think if we're doing this in 2010 we're talking about metalcore every week yeah and you know hypothesizing on what brings the horizon and are going to do next and and things like that um and that's and that's kind of that's kind of where the genre is but now we are it just wading through um just a slew of, of great metal bands in a variety of places like me and you talk about all these albums i can regardless of what person i find that likes rock or metal music there's like a couple of albums i've got in my head that i want to recommend to that person regardless yeah, of who yeah. that they are and that sort of expand that like we always talk about oh there's, a, there's guys that we love that are into prog metal and they would love x album and people over here love like death metal and i love that and this person's a really big hardcore or punk fan they love that and that sort of stuff and there's these pop punk fans that would love X album it's it's just it's just terrific to be able
0: to do that and that's how those connections are being formed and man, it's just a it's a great time to be around to do this job right now absolutely is man by the way shout out to Dan Hillier he's an amazing rocker for noise um, he, is. And Incredible. He's a, he is he is a, a fantastic fantastic supporter and provider of Uh, young and upcoming bands such as sugar horse absolute shout out to dan hillier Uh, sam you mentioned earlier about bands that were massive and brilliant in the 80s and big for metal one of them was carcass sam yes yes carcass probably would be the
1: seventh best metal band in 1988
0: they you know what mate they probably were probably right around where they are
1: yeah
0: so carcass Torn Arteries new album out on September seventeenth via Nuclear Blast. It is the band's seventh album and the follow up to 2013's Surgical Steel. Uh, side note here from me: Surgical Steel, from what I've read, uh, is considered one of the great metal comeback albums. Even Pitchfork loved it. Sam, uh, Pitchfork, who from all the times I've like yeah. read Pitchfork articles, they are like the harshest. <laughs> they are the harshest critics in the world. I think I, I think they gave the Black album like seven point seven. If I remember correctly, something something along those lines. Like Pitchfork are like the harshest critics, and, and in some ways that's great because you know if you hey, if you got a high scoring album on Pitchfork, they really love that stuff, man. So um, I think Surgical Steel got like an 8.2 or something like that from Pitchfork, which is You know, that's like, never mind. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I was like, wow, I can't believe they've scored it this high. It's crazy. Um, So regular listeners to the show will probably be aware that my love of classic death metal has only really been relatively recently stoked. Um, A few months ago, I decided to go back through it and listen to the classics and what an amazing time that was. And that means that really, in terms of carcass, I'm only really familiar with heart work, which has to be said... What a phenomenal, seminal, ridiculous, incredible album that is! When was the last time you listened to Heartwork, Sam? Are we talking relatively recently or years and years yeah. ago?
1: Yeah, I listened to because I I, I I had a few tracks on my Spotify for like a few years, but I never actually listened to it from start to finish. So I put it on my MWA um, for myself. Oh man! So th- I listened to I listened to Heartwork whenever the MWE was. That feels February. like a year and a half ago. Yeah, February. Yeah. Um, and then. And then I've since revisited a little bit in sort of build up for this album. Heartwork should be considered alongside Slaughter of the Soul. Yeah, man. And symbolic in terms of like um, death metal, in terms of some of the songwriting it's just absolutely extraordinary. Um, And Carcass are one of the more well-respected bands in metal really over the last 20 years that haven't really diverted from uh, from their identity. Yeah, they went away and they came back.
0: But this is a superb band. This is Mate, a superb band. i like uh, I suppose it's kind of difficult for me to say that I think they're an amazing band considering I've only I only really know one of their records. But if I'm going if you're going to know a Carcass record, it might as well be artwork. to yes, be fair because it's 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 absolutely it's, abso- it's like, it is really their it, it's their absolute kind of it's that's their landmark release, right? That's the one yeah. that if you search Carcass on Google it's going to be hard work that comes up. So with that said, I've, this torn arteries is, is, the second carcass record I've ever listened to in full. And I'm, I'm coming into this with the perspective of, <laughs> do you I used to say to you before? And I've made the argument, loud signs on the podcast that like my kind of idea was after a certain point, just stop doing records. Just don't bother anymore.
1: One of your worst takes. I'll be
0: honest. I've got to be honest, Sam, uh, At the Gates, Cannibal Corpse and Carcass this year have really stuck the middle finger up at me and and proved that that is one of my worst takes because with Nightmare of Being, with Violence Unimagined and with this, that is three bands that have been going for 20 plus years and all three are brilliant records. Like the Nightmare of Being by At the Gates, mate. I mean, that was that was really special in terms of their their ability to be creative at that point in their career and I, I think out of the 3 of those death metal records the nightmare of being is bot was by far the most, like, the wide with the widest creative boundaries
1: oh absolutely it wasn't just a death metal album it was like a bit of progressive um death metal as well it was a bit of prog it was a bit of um bit of metalcore at times it was it's just a superb superb album and and that's the thing there might be there might be lulls over a 20 to 25 year career that's, that's kind of a given but some of these some of these some of these bands that that, that play um that play for like carcass and at the gates and, and are some of the best musicians we've had in this genre and they're the they're the they're the grandfathers of the bands that we listen to now and to deny them the opportunity to be able to come back and, 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 and work on and work on music would be to deny everyone of the opportunity to hear another great carcass record another great at the gates record another yeah. great cannibal corpse record um because there are there's a subsection of fans who love those bands um that would take i, I, I want one more great cannibal corpse song i want one more great at the gate song and it's worth it for anything else but luckily these are so talented that they're, they're getting great albums as part of comebacks as well and it's, it's just so refreshing to see
0: yeah, I mean, literally, I, I will accept that is a poor take from from those three records that I, I will take. You now that is a that is a poor take from me, and I will I will accept that, and I will admit that I was wrong. Do you like that, Sam? You got me. I, I do. It's it's recording
1: on camera, and everything. <laughs> this is just, I've, I've had dreams about this exact moment. Actually, it's brilliant, wonderful.
0: More specifically, then torn artery. Sam is this harsh, intelligent, brutal, sounding death metal album from one of the dramas, greats. And I think that it, it. Hey, this is this is their first album in eight years eight in years. Surgical Steel, so I guess maybe this is to be expected. But I found it truly like remarkable how this band still sounds so amped and fresh at this point in their careers. This album didn't feel old whatsoever. I genuinely think you could convince me these guys were like twenty six. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? There's
1: a, yeah, there's an absolute energy and, and, and a ferocity to this it comes out the gate. um the opening of this the 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 title track just torn out it's just relentless there's this there's a thing about the the thing about um about carcass that I really really love that there's a there's a ferocity there's a there's a furious thrash metal core nature there is also a groove and there there is there is there's a there's a there's a specific type of guitar tone that they have as well that is just so Particularly unique, yeah, um, to, to to this to this band that you can kind of pretty easily identify as you as you listen to it, um and they're they're just they're just they're just blending all, all some of the best elements of, of what a great death metal album could be um on on this opening track because that that riff is fantastic, yeah, the way that why the sort of chord slide and the opening parts of the riff and the way that it. It gravitates into this groovy section later on and then there's um there's that breakdown where they pause just for the guitar lead yeah. which gets gradually higher up the neck and, and then the the sort of the guitar the guitar notes get sort of cre- sort of reach this crescendo and stuff um it's just like a reminder that yeah we're, we're, the, we're terrific musicians we're one of the greatest metal bands of all time and, and here's another example of that um yeah i i agree with you. There's, there's there's an energy and a ferocity that they kind of don't back away from at any point uh side note one of the more interestingly titled collection of songs I have ever seen in in in, in my life. Um, flesh ripping sonic torment limited, brilliant, and Kelly's Meat Emporium. Um, gotta be up there in terms of metal song titles, but from a musical from a musical standpoint, like you get you get this the opening trio of "Dance of Ixtab and "Eleanor Rigamortis, which is a fantastic pun, by the way. Um, it's got a combination of, there's this, this incredible drums and real groove on that second track, Dance of Xtab, which is thoroughly enjoyable. And then on Eleanor Rigamortis, it's got like a Cannibal Corpse kind of sliding, snaky, chromatic riff once over again. And it's just, like you say, like it's full of energy and real enthusiasm, but actual menace as as well. Um I, I, i'm really impressed by this i'm really impressed by this and it doesn't really take the foot off the gas at all um there's moments of progression here there's moments of, of progressiveness later on in the album where they slow it down a bit and take a little bit of a step back but in terms of the intensity in terms of the um some of the riff work and some of the individual musicianship here i think this is just superb really really good
0: now we i mentioned that this wasn't like, like, it wasn't like a nightmare. This wasn't like a nightmare of being in terms of the creative boundaries having been stretched as far as that. No, but mate, there's a 10 minute song on this album, Dance of Ixtab, has got a hint of like Gajira and it's kind of tribal opening. So, this album isn't like an absolute straight by the books death metal album. I mean, mate, flesh ripping Sonic Torment. That kind of flamenco acoustic opening that blends into this kind of coarse, yeah, harsh riff
1: completely agreed
0: mate 10 minute stretch tracks are not something that you would usually associate with being in Carcass's repertoire but no
1: no no absolutely isn't
0: within the confines of flesh ripping sonic torment limited which like you said is an amazing song title there is a shopping list of highlights there's Around the two and a half minute mark, there's this really kind of doom riff that comes in with this kind of real grit and steel that you, you, it's impossible to not headbang along. After the second chorus, the song changes. It becomes almost a different song and it takes on this more urgent, hyper-aggressive style momentarily. Then it drops into a more somber-led kind of feel. There's a real technical marvel of songwriting and crafting. That song, it really, really blew me away. I loved <laughs> you talk about its song names. I loved the Scythe's Remorseless Swing <laughs> Because the opening instrumental is absolutely wicked. And then there's this um there's this vocal line that um that Jeff Walker delivers. What's he say you have all the time in the world but the world not does not belong to you and he delivers it with this classic like really dirty violent rasp that he's got and although death metal is genuinely like littered with these kind of vocalists that do these kind of low rasps, Jeff Walker's is really, really recognisable. Like yeah. even though I, I'd only ever heard heartwork, I I would have known this was carcass. From the second torn is burst into the speaker, because he's, Jeff Walker's got this really kind of unique grit to his rasp. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. There's a there's a there's a type of cadence to his voice and the way that the words sort of tumble out that, that's really sort of identifiable. Um, it's 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 part and parcel of who they are, and I think, I think it's the same with some of the guitar work here. That there's some recognizable carcass traits in the way that they uh, the way that they play some of the notes some of the note signatures that they use and some of the way that the riffs um sort of just purely sound coming out of the speaker the groove that they have um is is, is incredibly identifiable and tight atta- and, and sort of a, something you could Im- immediately attach to carcass like if you listen um to which what, devil rides out I think some gorgeous guitar work on the devil rides yeah. out just at the, just at the start it's absolutely wonderful um these sort of leads and harmony sort of cascading into each other and then there's this final um sort of signature at the end where it sounds kind of eastern or egyptian where he's kind of playing those final little notes over the end as it's fading out so i just i just love stuff like that to show that they're not just going to stick to the, the the traditional sort of metal blueprints of what they could just do they could just do 10 or 12 songs that sounded like torn east to be honest if i wanted to um but there's a real there's a real change there's a real transgression there's a real um combination of sounds that they can sort of experiment with and, and that is part and parcel of the carcass sound that is as easy as to identify as, as the vocals that you mentioned earlier
0: i'll tell you what i loved on the devil rides out and it was something that happened on the Aphidian i record fairly often some of the guitar work like the clean guitar work was acting as the chorus Yeah, i love that as such a sweet trick and so not just such a sweet treat for a death metal band as well for like the clean guitar to act as like this sweet melodic hook again you don't see that too often and the the kind of the riff runs the repetition throughout the whole track acting is like it's kind of backbone it's works so well there's so there's so many cool things to pick apart on this album there's <laughs> on wake up and smell the carcass again what an amazing song title in the middle eight there's a moment I've gone back and listened to like three or four times. When I first heard the track, I just kept rewinding it and listening back to it in that middle. Like there's like a huge drum fill. That's like with these space stop, start vocals. And then this really chunky, fat, hefty riff comes in and takes you back into the groove metal sound system. And then this bending solo turns up. It is absolutely amazing. Like that track is going to, that when people hear that, that is going to blow their minds because it's, it's so cool and ingenious and strikes out of nowhere and in the middle of, well, actually towards the end, sorry, of this record that has been a death metal album that you would absolutely associate with Carcass with a few spring things of something different. This moment of just death metal mastery genius comes in out of nowhere that just reminds you of the relentless quality that Carcass have got. I think in terms of like records from for a band of carcass's ilk, of the length they've been doing this. I don't think you could realistically have asked for more than what Carcass give you here. Like I said, there's a 10 minute song on this. I don't, have Carcass ever done a 10 minute song? I don't know. Have they ever done a song longer than seven minutes? Like I said, I've only ever listened to Heartwork, so maybe someone in the comments can tell me differently. But there's a 10 minute song on this, and it's amazing, and it's intelligent, and it's like two or three songs fused into one. Some of this is really, really awesome. Death Metal's the best, man.
1: completely agree. I actually think Carcass have given us more than we could have expected. Carcass have nothing to lose here. Mm. Um, They already wrote one of the great metal albums of all time, then disappeared, then wrote one of the great comeback metal albums of all time, and then disappeared for eight years again. (laughs) That could be the career. Like, this could be be terrible. And it doesn't take away that they wrote two of the the great albums uh, in terms of a comeback and and an, an initial sort of metal album um this could have been anything and and it'd been fine it wouldn't have changed their legacy wouldn't have changed their career they could have slipped back into uh, whatever they were doing prior during that eight-year hiatus just sort of enjoying themselves um this is this is tremendous this is terrific um it's a reminder that when when great musicians come together great things can still happen regardless of the circumstances that surround themselves in and a carcass are an example of a legendary band that I've maintained that. If you're a big carcass fan, I don't know how you don't just adore this album. Yeah, this is, um, special it's, it's, got, carcass fans. it's got, it's got, it's got everything. It's got really everything. um I think Scalper Blade is terrific. Out <laughs> is terrific. I think Flesh Ripping so- Sonic Torment Limited is fantastic. um I like, I like the opening of God We Trust in the Harmony section near the end. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And that's the thing um they, they easily slide between um really heavy thrashy segments and these beautifully melodic but also with like a dark chilling undertone to some of their some of their work as well that is is really identifiable. to some of the best melodic death metal i mean a death of uh, the other uh, band that i always think of that are brilliant at doing that particular thing and carcass are another example of that um I just think i just think they're tremendous it's, it's fantastic to have them back and i think this album is a reminder of their quality and again it's another album that's going to get consideration for album of the year it's it's, it's in my top 20 at the, at the very least i haven't figured out the order but it's definitely in that
0: that chunk of, of albums this year just to be close off here sam would you take this over the nightmare Be oh um
1: no but only because i personally prefer at the gates
0: yeah, so on the same I th-
1: I I I I think that these albums for, for a Carcass fan, this is as good as At Nightmare Beanies for an At the Gates fan, but I personally prefer At the Gates the fan to Carcass. So that's where my edge lies. But they're just as good as each other for what they do
0: for their fans. I one hundred percent agree with that. One hundred percent agree. Uh, we're going to move on, Sam. Uh, we are going to talk about Mania Cult by Aborted. Uh, it is out on September 10th via Century Media Records. It's the band's 11th album and the follow up to 2018's Terrorvision. Okay, so me and you, and, and listeners, you're going to get really, especially when we start to talk about Turnstile, you're going to get really sick of us saying the word groove as on this episode because Carcass's album is full of grooves. Turnstile album, believe it or not, is full of grooves. And somehow, in this <laughs> absolute fire blast of de- death grindcore, Aborted Mania cult is also full of grooves. This is a different form of death metal than what we've just been talking about, Sam, because Carcasses is much, I feel, Torn Arteries is much more poised as opposed to Mania Cult, which is... I feel like I have been lined up in front of a turret, and they have loaded the turret full of the harshest, blasting, brutal death metal they can possibly find, and they and that has been this album, and they have unleashed hell on me. This is just chaos, isn't it? This record, this is chaos.
1: Yeah, it's 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 heaviness defined, isn't it? As 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 is typical. This is in that. Um... In that Ozaya category, where you're just sitting there thinking, "There's there's no way that the drummer's feet haven't fallen off. There's yeah. no way." Um, and there's moments where you're thinking to yourself, um, "Is that a vocalist or is that Satan?" Yeah. Um. I'm yet. I'm yet to figure out the answer to that one. Are there two vocalists and are they both killing animals simultaneously whilst in the studio? At this point is this technically a hate crime these are all these are all questions that i've asked myself at some point during this album um this is for a certain subsection of metal fans oh yeah book. yeah um and uh for spoiler alert if you, you thought to yourself, oh, that carcass album sounds pretty good, but it's a bit too heavy for me. So maybe I'll wait for the Turnstar review on the podcast. Then keep skipping now that we're aborted. Yeah. Um, because there is nothing here for you, my friends. Um, I'll be honest. Um, I like this, but this is nothing I haven't heard before.
0: Oh, yeah. This isn't breaking any kind of new boundaries. This isn't scratching so, any new surfaces. This, this isn't drawing in any new colours.
1: I will be honest. Um, I was a bit more enthusiastic than you were about i think it was sleep waker and you said am i so um jaded by metalcore?" Yeah, yeah. i feel that way i can't believe i'm actually saying this but have we heard too many death metal grindcore concept albums about hp lovecraft inspired apocalyptica because i actually think <laughs> we have <laughs> it's quite extraordinary that that's that's a niche that's been done more than once or more than 12 times in the last two years uh, like someone's read War of the Worlds. I, I get it, cool. Um, but so I, I, I want to say that this is everything that you would want from this type of music with a little bit of like black metal progression. There's some there's some nice moments at the start and there where there's like sinister leads, and, like there's there's a bit of the opening, and I think um at, I want to pronounce this right, Ipedidruleti at the at the conclusion of the at the conclusion of the album has like a wonderfully progressive intro that then they go into the, their usual grind. But yeah. 80% the meat and bones of this is just chugging grindcore with pig squeals over it if you're into that you'd love it if you're not a fan of that give it a miss for me i've heard a lot of this over the last two years and i don't think it steps beyond the boundaries or in the ramifications of whatever i couldn't i couldn't understand simultaneously why this is their 11th album because they do this very well but also i couldn't understand why it's their 11th album when we're reviewing it for the first time because they're not pushing beyond their genre at all either they're just happily within their audience, within their niche, writing sort of concept albums about the apocalypse and the end of the world and social decay and all that sort of stuff. And they're delivering it with a typical punch and darkness and fury. So like, for example, I think like the best part about it for me, my my, my highlights was the riff at the opening of Dementophobia. Um, There's a a moment, there's there's a real, there's obviously as you talk about groove, but there is a real real groove to that. that and is, then they, yeah. they, change, they change up the transitions and it's both half time and then a speed up. Um, they like every great metal band now, every great modern metal band of this extremity. The transitions from slow halftime to blast beats throughout this album are just extraordinary. Um, and some of the some of the vocals are utterly, utterly guttural. But my criticism is that there's a lot of this that does blend together a little bit. Um, there's a lot of it where the songs are, 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 are sort of difficult to discern from one another because they, they do follow a similar sort of blueprint thread like for example when you get to the two thirds section um the songs like Vulgar Quagmire and vervulgan um they could be either way around for me and, and and they could be they could be as similar to each other as as, as, as necessary because <laughs> i think they just are um when it comes back with ceremonial ineptitude and drag me to hell that's when it starts to change i think that conclusion those final two or three songs of Ceremony and Ineptitude, Drag Me to Hell, and and, and Good tri- Test, to be fair, is great as well. That final trio leading up to um, the concluding song, Ipedri- um is terrific. Yeah. Um, but I think the main meats and bounds of the, uh, the, the 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 album is very good, particularly for a particular audience. I just think for me, it's a touch repetitive and I have been down this road several times
0: in the last few months. I am with you to a certain extent. I mean, I I think this album is specifically made as kind of like cannon fodder for Aborted's fan base. I feel like this album is specifically made for a fan base to have a real deep-rooted love and obsession with give me the heaviest thing you've got all the time. (laughs) I I genuinely believe that. I, I believe that this record was specifically made with with no other intention in mind but to give as heavy and as hard and as quick as they possibly can because that's what their fan base craves and is obsessed with I'm with you man I, the, the final four songs on this album for me are the best the way that the Bolgan transitions into ceremonial Leptitude is the coolest thing on the album. Because that, that opening riff, it's like a truck after the instrumental tease. And there's a really brilliant moment where it breaks into a kind of like a half-time riff near the end. And it's really well done. Groovy as all hell. Like I said, we're going to use that word, unfortunately, a lot on this podcast. But we are talking about three <laughs> albums that do groove. Uh, and inter- as, as all hell. Uh, in terms of Drag Me to Hell... I felt like the moment where Svencho, the vocalist, does the drag me to hell scream and it goes into the blast beat sound. Classic Thy Art is Murder. Yeah. And that's not to say that, obviously, Abortive have been around a lot longer than Thy Art, so that's not like me saying they've looked at Thy Art is Murder and taken that away. It's th- that's where I draw these comparisons. And one thing I would say about Mania Cult as a record, it's ne- I don't ever think it's specifically death metal. I feel like it fluctuates between Death Core, Death Grind, Mm. and Death Metal, which is actually kind of cool because on Portal to Vacuity, you get this kind of spiralling chaotic sound which is like reminiscent of humanity's last breath. But then when the pace changes in the verse, you get hit with this kind of Asaya or All Shall Perish sound. And one thing that really caught me off guard is the opening track, Vodirth. That slow, full chord sound is very humanity's last breath. It's got this kind of like slow tempo, aggressive start to the record, and I thought, right, okay, this is going to be like a, a high pinched, like kind of Viljata, or humanity's last breath attempt. But then when the title track comes in, <laughs> the Durf must have been a red herring because it charges out with this kind of throat tearing speed, and this that's what this album does. It is like a constant, constant like throat punch throat tear whatever kind of adjective whatever kind of metaphor you want to go for in terms of violence this album is that it's it's not gonna it's one of those those records that like metal twitter on the 10th of september is gonna kick off for this album the metal the metal twitter that i follow they're all gonna go mad for it because they all see they you know i love this it's a bit like when i was listening to the new cerebral rock record it's just horrible. It's horrible for forty-five minutes, and there's there's really <laughs> there's not a lot of fluctuation in terms of what you are being delivered. You are being delivered a constant, like I say, just turret barrage of really brutal death metal. But it it, it hits so hard. It's it's fun to listen to. This isn't gonna break any boundaries, but it's gonna do exactly what a audience wants it to want it to do for them. And I re really, I I really enjoyed listening to this.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a fun ride. Uh might make no make no about it. And like I said, if you are I mean if you if you live in the world that me and you live in, which is Heidi's underworld for for metal bands, um then you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna thoroughly enjoy this. My only criticism is really that like you talk about, people are gonna kick off on the tenth of September. Will they be kicking off on the twenty eighth of September? No. No. Do you know what I mean? Uh it, it, you and this is the thing this is why i said that this is why it's their 11th album but they're not headlining bloodstock um it's big be- and there's no criticism to that I'm just saying that, that it's good and it but i reckon the second aborted album was as good as this one and probably as good as the sixth and the seventh and i haven't heard the the previous 10 aborted songs i reckon if i did back to back i think i'd be a, a murderer by the end to be honest um but I'm trying to say it's it's fantastic for its audience. It's fantastic for its niche. It's fantastic for the genre. It ticks every conceivable box that you'd want in your Lovecraftian apocalyptic death grind uh, deathcore albums. Um, it does ev- it does everything you'd possibly want from that, and a few and a few other bits as well. Um, it doesn't doesn't go beyond its ramifications or its limits or its limits, but it is fantastic in that particular in that particular genre. Um, Like I said, like we said, if you're an Extreme Metal fan, you're going to be all over this. Absolutely all over this.
0: Before your interview with Tommy Rogers of Between the Buried and Me comes in, Sam, let us talk about... Oh my God, so excited. Turnstile's new album, Glow On, it's out now on Roadrunner Records. It came out on August 27th. The do you band's... even
1: need me here for this? Oh, or my you God. I want to just do a monologue and I can make a cup of tea? Or I, might, I
0: might do a monologue, mate. It might be a long, long time for you here. Um, <laughs> it's the band's fourth album and the follow-up to 2018's Time and Space. Oh, my God, that album's so amazing. Well, right, okay. So, even before this album, I... I have been picking Turnstar as one of the most exciting bands permeating alternative music for a while now. And I say that I'm not looking for any credit whatsoever saying that. I'm not saying that so people can think, you know what, Chris does know what he's talking about. You don't need to know what you're talking about in of alternative music to look at Turnstar and say, yeah, they're going to be one of the bands they are, just without doubt. And the reason why I say that, Sam, is because I, I listened to Time and Space before... Two Thousand Trees, and I was like, "Wow, this album is like amazing. This band are incredible." And then I saw them at Two Thousand Trees, and I was literally blown away. As was myself and the two lads I was with, uh, Andy and Rich. We all three of us were like, "This is special, man. Like the the charisma that they all have on stage. These riffs that Brody Eber, the lead guitarist, is throwing at us. I just I cannot believe them." The energy they give off in general, this truly just gobsmacking fun that Turnstile just emits from every single pore of their body. We saw them in Birmingham, Sam, and even I mean that was our last gig that we that we went to before the chaos of COVID nineteen ensued, and that was when you were like kind of lukewarm on them, but yeah. I we had you know we all left that gig with the same feeling. You were like you know what I'm still not massive on, but that was so much fun. I really, really enjoyed watching that. Sam, I don't want to just treat this as a complete monologue. I, I, you know, I want to have like this back and forth with you. How you knew leaving that gig that whether you became a full, fully in love with Turnstile, whether you'd be full backer of them, or whether you'd constantly stay in the middle, regardless of that, you knew leaving that gig. That band are fun to watch live, and in 2021, that's a real, real important thing being fun to watch live because we've said a million times record sales across the globe are down and artists need live ticket sales to be up to make a living out of this so being fun live has never been more important how much fun our turnstile to watch
1: oh that's terrific that's terrific there's a there's a there's a fantastic energy with that band and like you said you talk about the charisma um and it helps that the music is really um really immediately compelling it's not difficult to get into um there's, there's, there's a real, there's a, there's a dance, there's a beat, there's a, there's, there's something you can latch yourself onto. Um, and that is, that is mimicked by the live performance. It's just, there's just an energy and a, and a a primal, primal feeling that sort of accompanies them playing live. Yeah. When time and space came out, I was all right with it. Um, I was, I was ambivalent towards it. and, And then everyone not naming any names kept telling me that they're saying like Pantera and I just didn't buy that at all because, um, they're, they're, now they're hold
2: they're on,
0: say, wait right saying, a second there. I, be like, I never said they sound like Pantera. I said if Pantera were a hardcore <laughs> I didn't punk say band,
1: you,
0: Chris. No, you, you were talking about me. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't be, don't, I don't want that <laughs> ambiguity here. You point the finger at me, right? I never said they sound like Pantera. I said if Pantera were a hardcore punk band, they'd sound like this. And obviously, I know that's If You Aren't With Your Uncle kind of thing. But yeah, if that, they
1: were a th- jazz band, that would sound like Miles Davis. That, sure that, was,
0: well. that was my thing. Like, if Pantera were a hardcore punk band, they'd sound like this because Brady drops out riffs like on Phased Out and like on Generator, which have got that really Southern grit. And they're not as bluesy as Dimebag's riffs, they're not as bluesy, but like I said, Pantera were in a world of their own in terms of their groove metal sound. No one will ever touch them, but what what my point was, if Pantera decided to be a hardcore punk band, they'd sound like this. Okay, so before say, okay. anyone thinks I think that Turnstile sound like Pantera, no, they don't. If Pantera hardcore punk band, they would sound like Time and Space. Sam, I'm sorry to predict where you're going here, but if you're going in the direction of Turnstile have never sounded less like what Pantera would be if they were hardcore punk, I do agree with that. Because this is, this is the least Time and Space-like that Turnstile have ever sounded.
1: Yeah, there's a progression from the, the previous album to now, Absolutely. I now think that they're the Scrappy Doo to every time I die, Scooby Doo, um, where they're like the sort of energetic little brother of of that that type of, of that type of, of that type of band, and um, in terms of in terms of their groove and their, their energy and the, the way the riff sound, they're a party band. Yeah, turnstile turn are they're the archetypal five o'clock on a Friday night download band, and they're also the ultimate put on the speaker and just try and gravitate to anybody that likes rock music and beyond type album this fits in anywhere i could show anybody this um and they have they have really taken a step towards it, it, it step in that direction where it is more accessible and more immediately affecting than in their previous works um the the trans the transition and growth that they've made from just an exciting band with some occasional good riffs that are really sort of tying rest of it together to to what they are now i think there's a there's a there's a real growth that's taken place here because this chris is a victory the of the height of, of the highest order of, yeah. of a band of this of this style um because um i was i was i was listening to this i i was this a few times over, over the last couple of days because it's such an enjoyable album to listen to and it's yeah. it's it's an album that requires no stress whatsoever no You could just chuck this on and barely pay attention, but just enjoy every second of it. You can fit yourself in and out. It's just such a, it can accompany any activity. Um, But at the the same time, I find this quite extraordinary about it is that there's a lot of riffs in this album, a lot of styles here that I have heard in snippets from a variety of different bands and a variety of different genres. Uh, I mentioned every time I die, there's a bit of every time I die here. There's a bit of Weezer I heard here at times um With like a pop punk styling, but also more hardcore and more classic rock sections elsewhere. um There's also like, you know, up up tempo punk here. Like there's a bit of like rancid going on. Just doing some some of some of the thrash type, a bit of misfits things like that going on, permeating through. But the concoction of all of those elements together is something that I've not quite heard. And this is um this is simultaneously an exciting note for where the where this band could be in the future, but also just a thoroughly enjoyable throwback to what feels like a simpler time. Like I don't know how else to explain it. I've never I've never really listened to an album that makes me feel simultaneously excited for the future and nostalgic for the past. Or want to be I want to listen to this album be 17 with a skateboard. I don't know. It, 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 it's really, really it's really strange how this album makes you genuinely feel youthful. Um there's a there's a there's a bite to it, but also there's just so much exuberance and enthusiasm permeating from this from this album from start to finish. It's just bursting out the gate um, with just riff and riff and riff and moment after moment after moment. It doesn't welcome welcome, but it piles Ramon's style does 14 15 tracks into this 37 minute segment. Like you can listen to this in one shopping trip you could go to the gym or have one session and get through this album probably twice mm. you know you could go for one run and listen to this album it's not a problem at all it's just beautifully condensed into this and when i've watched episodes of the sopranos that are longer than this album it's just absolutely extraordinary um because when it just opens um just it i wrote this i wrote this about it and and, and, and like i said i'm ambivalent about this band before this album so that that should that should say a lot i think to, be, to begin with, just in terms of what they're what they're saying. This is what I wrote as I listened to the album, I think, twice. Uh turnstile a party, uh part Way party rock band, post-hardcore thrill, part pop punk sensibility, and hundred percent fantastic. Because that's that it's just a different concoction of stuff, but the, the the cocktail of that is just utterly, utterly wonderful. Um, I'm gonna throw it back to you now. We can do like sort of individual songs and things, but really, this is just from pretty much from start to finish, just a tremendous, tremendous album.
0: Well, I think that when you boil music down to its purest form and purely what you're looking for from listening to music is entertainment, isn't it? Really? Yes. Let, let's not, let's not like pick about the specifics of metal, death metal, this riff's great, X y, X, y, Z. We listen to music to be entertained. I have not been entertained by, an album, by another album as much this year. As, I, as I, I have not, sorry, the best way to phrase this, put this phrase, I haven't received the same level of entertainment from any other album this year as I have from Glow On. This album is so much fun to listen to. It's yeah. it, like you said, this album is a 34 foot or 37 minute party. But then when you do take a second to actually listen to what's going on, the vibrancy, the creativity, mate, the bravery of some of this. Mate, Underwater Boy. <laughs> I, I, that, out of that song is really... Where, I think it's like the fourth song on the album. You get this real kind of bold, bold creativity, creativity in that song. Like, in my knowledge of Turnstar, I've never heard them quite take that kind of synth-pop direction. But pull it off. Either. And Brendan Yates, the vocalist... He's so flexible with the styles he sounds comfortable in. And that's what's really awesome about this song. And more specifically, this album. It's totally unique and individualistic. Like, there's parts of this album that sound more like Paramore than they do hardcore punk. But still, in this way, that's totally linked to turnstile sound. Like, Underwater Boy, the song I'm talking about here. There are moments where it sounds... As I've mentioned, it's more like Paramore's last album than hardcore punk, but i still know it's turnstile. There's just something about them. There's just this kind of unique party vibe that they drill through every bit of writing that is so unique and direct to them. I personally prefer Time and Space to this album because I'm a bit of a riff junkie for turnstile and that is not to say that this album is lacking in riffs it absolutely is not but i just prefer time and spaces kind of 30 minute relentless hardcore punk thrashing whereas this is it's much more uh, much more open it's wingspan it is it goes to a, a much bigger radius i am curious sam what you think about songs like alien love call
1: I'm not as I'm not as keen on them as as the as the rest of the album. Like I have the most fun when it's dancey riffs as yeah. as, as, as much as anything else. But I appreciate them for what they do with the gravity of the album. Like I I I, I love I love Alien for what it does for Wild World
0: yeah yeah that's good because that, that's a good point actually because alien love call does kind of blend directly into wild world because wild world comes back in with a with the ruckus punk vibe doesn't it and that bit Absolutely. the build-up from alien love call leads to this huge payoff when the drummer comes back in behind brady and pat's so Precis-
1: precisely so I, I love no surprises Fully just for lonely desires yeah that's good in, in, the, in yeah. exactly the same way so do i like them individually for, I'm, I'm ambivalent towards them individually but they're not meant to be listened to individually yeah like no surprises 70 seconds long that's not a single it's an intro um so I've, i appreciate what they're doing for the context of the album though i not necessarily enjoying them um in a vacuum um because they are the turnstile know what their strengths are they're just sort of experimenting out as i coming back into them just taking your weight and pulling you back towards them uh, it's like a, it's like a great, it's like a great movie plot when the, when the character goes away just to come back, you know, and that that's what it is. It, it, because if you, I probably recognise if it was fifteen riff laden songs, maybe the audience wouldn't get as as excited about them when they do return if they go away for a bit. Yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about some of these some of these fantastic moments, please. Um, Don't play. is one of the greatest rock songs I've heard in the last five years. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, do that combina- combination of the when you said last week you'd never heard a latin clave beat in the I'll do 2 on this album <laughs> um just br- bringing that back with the uptempo punk being that do 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 it's just so so good and that just that just backbeat underneath that sort of do-do-do-do-do. i just I'm I'm such a, I'm such a fan of that beat that's my favorite groove on the album um but that opening trio of of mystery with that sort of wheezer start um sort of almost like post dookie pre-american idiot green day style sort of strumming um coming into into blackouts which has got that just beautifully up tempo um up tempo riff with an uh, up tempo riff and beat with that that real with a real explanation of melody on, on mystery and blackouts then obviously you get don't play uh with sort of the latin sounds on the chorus and stuff i, I just think it's absolutely tremendous um, and then obviously you get you get Underwater Boy and I thought like the band takes a breather, experiments the synth off, and then comes right back into Holiday, which is just a brilliant song. Absolutely brilliant song. Immediately stomping central figure, enticing electronica, incredible bass line. I enjoy the punchy shouted lyrics. That feels very late 70s. Uh, new wave punk for me, which I'm a fan of. Um, and then same, the humanoid shake up, the, seam, the seamless switch between those two. It clearly felt like they'd written one half of a song another half of a song and then sort of spliced them together. Um, and then obviously we talk about um alien alien going to wild world um new heart design going to tlc no surprise into long desires this is a really really well layered and well put together well pieced together album it's just a jigsaw of tremendous riffs and and obviously as, as the, the, the word of the day's is groove isn't it and it just has that has that in abundance
0: i have not enjoyed myself listening to an album as much as this this year what i think is quite telling here is that and it, this was like an interesting marketing ploy from Turnstile. A lot of this album we'd heard, they released a lot of this album as an EP. It was called Turnstile Love Connection. Well, say a lot of this album, I think it was like four songs. And then and then they did Blackout as a single as well. So we'd gone in here, list, or already hearing a fair portion of this. But yeah, when you listen definitely. to it all within the context of the record, like I'd heard Mystery a million times. I love that song, but when you hear this opening the album, what a way to open a record! Mysteries, yeah. that kind, the kind of space synth that drops into the sick riff, and it's I mean, I'm listening; to this, it's got a, a massive like eating grin on my face, like just listening because it's so much fun. You got this perfect summertime smile vibe. Like, how can you not get caught onto that? And we talk about a blackout the way that mystery transitions into it is kind of like harsh, but also smooth at the same time. Like uh, it's like, it's perfectly set up to be jarring, but that jar works. What can you say about blackout? There's so much life to it. And me and you talk about this quite often. The riffs you can sing to are the best. And yep. this album is absolutely full of them. The chorus on blackout, that kind of effect pedal that Brady uses on on the, on the chorus mate it's it's so brilliant like just hearing as you hearing blackout live like would we dance or would we push i don't know what we would do like it's and that's oh it's so good i my favorite song on the album is new heart design i oh, okay. think the bounce and the melody to that song is just gorgeous The playful synths to Brendan's chorus hook, you know, it's one of the best songs the Turnstile have ever written. I think it's really, really stunning. I would like to make a mention for um, Franz Lyons, who doesn't get mentioned anywhere nearly enough for Turnstile. He's an amazing bassist. And also, as well as that, his backup vocals add so much character. If there was even more so to be added in, he's a real, real vital cog in the weird of Turnstile especially live because i mean we mentioned it some when we saw in birmingham and not we say when i saw him at two thousand trees how much fun is the bassist having he bounces around that stage with a massive smile on his face loving every single second and it's infectious you can't help but just get caught along to it on endless there's a clean riff that flickers into the verse and it's just genius Brendan, again, I'll mention Brendan Yates, sounds incredible on this track. I, I think Endless is probably his best ever a vocal performance. You know, it's it's party punk as infectious and as sweet grinned as you'll have ever heard it. Yeah, it's it's, intox- it's intoxicated, isn't it? Yeah, intoxicating is a great adjective to describe this record. I, I just don't know how anyone could listen to this and not have an amazingly, amazingly good time. This record is—it's is, partly hardcore punk. It's—is it hardcore punk? I think it's—it's a—it it's it
1: has moments of it, has moments of it, but I don't think it's generally a hardcore punk album. No, I, 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 I would, I would say this is a rock album with yeah. elements of hardcore punk, with elements of hardcore, with elements of pop punk, at times with elements of of synthwave. But really, it's under the it's under the great umbrella of of rock. And how nice is it, by the way? I think if 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 we accept my theory, just to be able to say this is a great rock album. Where the fuck have they been? Yeah. Great yeah, rock yeah, yeah. albums. We've had the Dirty <laughs> Nil and this. That is that, it. That is that is the that is the list. Um, and just just to have 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 that sort of vibe and groove back because this is something. This is something I could show my dad.
0: But yeah i was going to mention that i was going to mention that yeah
1: because i think i think he listens to i think if my dad hears turnstile at 18 in 1979 they're his favorite band when he's yeah. like 40 yeah um because that's just that you, you hear you hear him in that in that moment um and that's what i think they, they feel simultaneously like a throwback and also incredibly sort of modern and fun at the same time um i think it's interesting touching on something that you said you prefer Time and Space because it's a riff junkie and yet your favorite song on the album is it's one of its more progressive ones.
0: Yeah? Yeah. But I I, I feel like Brady Brady's my favorite member of the band.
1: Yeah, what well, Gibson Explorer playing these riffs my do you not love it.
0: He's my favorite member of the band and I, I think he's on his best form on Time and Space. That's my. That's how I. That's how I justify that.
1: But no, that's that, completely understandable.
0: I, I, I see. That makes it sound Like that's a criticism for this album. Is no. it's absolutely not a criticism. I think this album is brilliant, and one of the one of the, the best thing we can say about this album is that you love it. And it, I find that fascinating because if anyone here was going to be the riff junkie. You would think it would be you over me because it's usually you know usually we talk about an album and I'm the one that gets hooked into the clean chorus and you're like yeah but that riff that comes after, whereas there's a little bit of a role reversal here which is kind of interesting. But this album, I genuinely believe you could show this to anyone.
1: Yeah. I, agree.
0: Anyone. I could play this in the background to my mom and she would get something yeah. out of it. And yeah, I agree. No one could listen to this album and not have fun. This is party hardcore punk who doesn't love that turnstile are are amazing like i if if you would have asked me where i thought they were going to go after time and space i wouldn't have picked this not because i wouldn't have wanted them to do this just because i thought they would probably do time and space part two they've done They they haven't done time and space part two they've introduced a new they've introduced a new book and something tells me sam that whatever follows this in maybe 2024 will be another new book because that's yeah where where are their boundaries i don't think they no, exist
1: i think that's i think that's really really good uh, i completely agree i think this is the album that they needed to write where they actually took a, an expansive step beyond time and space two because me and you not, uh, and, and even if we would have been in time and space two we'd have been like cool what else even yeah. you would have felt like that yeah yeah and at, at least at least at least this way you're like all right okay because there's there's guitar solos, there's real choral melodies, there's an experiment with electronica. Not a great deal, but enough to hint that there's gonna be like a synthwave-led album at some point. You can see that that's 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 coming. There's gonna be a new order style um album in the near future. And it might be the next one. Um but they're also having it rooted into this punk punk and rock riff sensibility. And and that's it. I just it's lovely to have riffs Riffs that are enjoyable in in like a non-grueling way, as well. Um, me, me and you, mean you talk about great riffs. But really, it's it's the violence unimagined of of the breakdown, or or yeah, yeah. or something like that, where the actual notes themselves are kind of indiscernible, indiscernible, indescribable, and kind of superfluous to the overall point. Is it just have heavy and nasty? Uh, is usually sort of the minimum requirement to sort of get into that. But this is genuine riff work of like, like some classic rock bands that, that that would be mixed with just this um, um real like uh, melody and immediate sort of um, engaging a uh, sort of approach to songwriting as well. Uh, you might, you might screw your nose but this, but this kind of reminds me of Offspring, like early Offspring. Right. Yeah.
0: No, I get you that.
1: Know, like in terms of like like when they when they were like good like for that six months um but when they when they wrote riffs that were chord bass that you could sing along to or like when green day wrote chord bass riffs that you could sing along to that were easily identifiable this is a this is a this is a hard rock album that's also a dance floor filler that has real bounce to it as well and charisma like you mentioned um this is certainly i don't think i'm gonna have more fun listed to an album um at all this year it, it's um it's just a tremendous thrill ride i saw on twitter that bees called it his album of the year as well um and it's hard it's hard not to argue um, with putting it in a top three five seven ten um however wherever you want to limit it it's definitely going to be in in my list at some point
0: yeah this this absolutely enters my top 10 At the minute, as I'm kind of mentally piecing it together, I think my top 10 is going to get kind of (laughs) chucked, thrown, spat out, and twisted around over the next eight weeks or so with the release schedule that we are looking at. But you know what? I said that I prefer time and space, but if you would have asked me what I wanted Turnstar to do, the best I could have hoped for is this, because... I would have wanted them to do something bold and brave, whatever that might be, for them. And they've done that, and I would have wanted them to master that as well. And yes. I think that I think they've absolutely done that. They sound like a mix of early 90s Green Day, 2019 Paramore, 80s Clash. Do you know what I mean? There's this absolute plethora of interesting melody, of teeth teeth gnashing guitar tone, and of more than anything else, just this concoction of hook. There is so much to this album that you can just nod along, smile at, and sing along to. It is, man, it's just a non-stop thrill ride, this record. It's a real, real astonishing achievement. I think that I love that you love it. I'm just going to leave off with this, actually. Are you surprised that you, of, of how much you like it? Let's let's rewind and say it's it's June 27th. I can't remember when it was announced that the album was going to come out. Let's pretend it was June 27th that it was announced. We're going back two months. In June 27th, do you reckon your feelings of Turnstar then would make you surprised at how much you love it listening to it now?
1: yeah I'd I'd, I'd be like okay another review where Pew's like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to music I'm like it's all right in (laughs) it (laughs) um that's that's what I was that's what I was thinking it would be um but the good thing is is that I heard the four singles yeah yeah and uh they were they were popping up on my Spotify and I was giving them a go and the first one was good so the second one I gave a go and then and then I by by the third and fourth I was excited that that appeared um so actually that that process where you'd heard a third of the album going in actually softened me because I went in expecting to enjoy the rest of it, not bracing myself at yeah. um, the possibility of having to feel uh, differently to the, to the zeitgeist. And then, um, and then of course, as I was listening to it, enjoying it, it was actually, um, it was nice to see the um, the timeline sort of swell on Twitter of, of just joy over the last sort of three or four days as bit of the, of this turnstile album. It seems to have, it seems to have struck a chord with the, with the metal community and the rock community as well. Because really at our hearts, we just love, we do love great music. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to be, you know, centered around a graveyard all the time. Um, and there are there are some things that are just universal. And I think Turnstile have, have, have hit on something that is universal is that people just want to enjoy themselves. People want to dance. People want stuff that they can nod their head to and enjoy. Because I, you are absolutely right. Um, music at the bottom line is meant to be entertaining. It is meant to be fun. Um. And by that by that judgment, by that requirement, there are a few albums that do that better or more often than Turnstall have on this latest release.
0: They're a special band, aren't they?
1: It feels that way. Yeah, it feels that
0: way. They're a special band. Glow On is a special record. We are going to leave the podcast off there before Sam's interview with Tommy Rogers comes in. However, we are going to be back. Let me just double check the date that we are going to be back. I believe it's going to be the 14th of September. Uh, Let's have a look here. Yes, it is. Uh, Me and Sam are going to be back on the 14th of September. Listen to this for a podcast lineup. It's going to be my review of Slam Dunk, Iron Maiden, Senjutsu. Employed to Serve's new record, Rivers of Nile's new record and Sleep Talker's new record. How about that for a podcast for you? That is going to be in two weeks. For the end of this episode, it is Sam's interview with Tommy Rogers from Between the Buried and Me. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to follow us on on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube or like and follow, depending on whatever service you are using. That's the best way to support us. We're going to be back in two weeks' time, but don't go anywhere. Sam's interview with Tommy Rogers comes up right now. We'll see you in two weeks. We love you. Bye. All right, marvellous. So we've got Tommy from Between the Buried and
1: Me. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having us. Um, thanks so much for coming over and speaking to us about the new record. I want to just dive right in and talk about the new record Colours 2. Um, so obviously it's a landmark album that came out in 2007 for you guys. What was the process that led to the decision to write a sequel to such a landmark album? What was that, what was that like and, and why did you decide to do that now?
2: um well it was in 2019 we were actually on the road and our our drummer blake just kind of put us to the side and was like hey i have this idea for the next record you know see if you guys are into it you know and we talked about it and it was one of those things where we thought the idea could be cool but we only wanted to do it if we knew that it was something we could pull off 100 you know so it was kind of always in the back of our head and then when we when we started writing it and getting heavily into the material, we, it was very early on that we we're like, all right, this is going to really work. It's, um, things are lining up the way they should. And it just you know, it's, it's hard to explain. Sometimes things just like, feel really right when you're working on music. And it was just one of those moments where we knew it was the right thing to do. And it, just, it was very cohesive. And it was just, a, a aside from the weird 2020 year, it was a very good experience uh, cr- creatively.
1: Yeah. So speaking speaking of that specifically, you mentioned I, I was reading through some of the notes that the, the PR sent us with the album. And I said that, yeah, um, you were able to analyze humanity in the same way that you were in 2007. Right. OK. So there's some sort of similarities in terms of the way that you sort of approached it um, from that mindset. So in that regard, was it a circumstantial decision to to do Colours too? Is there a parallel universe where were you not able to look at humanity in the same way with the pandemic and things like that? would you be looking at a different between the buried and me album at this moment? Is it, is it that sort of thing that, that had happened for you guys or was it just simply I, this is the right time to do this regardless of the circumstances going on around us?
2: Well, it's it's hard to, I don't think the record would have been what it is without the pandemic, honestly. I mean, we talked about doing it regardless and we probably would have done it regardless. um, But I think, the, the pandemic just really helped, helped it, everything. Like I think conceptually it like brought it all together. It kind of put us in a place where, you know, we wanted to get back in that mentality we were in when writing colors one, which was, you know, go for it. Like just give it all you have because we have to really prove that we're worthy to still be around and to still, you know, have the fan base we have and, you know, and, and show the world that, you know we're still a big force to reckon with you know and and so like with with 2020 happening we just were put in this position that it really opened our eyes like we really have to put in the work I mean we always put in the work but it was just like way more than normal and I think cre- creatively things just exploded for us I mean it was I'm um, it, it was definitely the most collaborative we've ever been. We worked really well together, even though it was kind of a weird circumstance without um, being in a room ever. To, so we got in the studio. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just everything aligned properly. And and we really, I think it was therapeutic in a way as as well. And like you were saying, lyrically, um, you know, the, the whole idea of of doing a Colors 2, I wanted to kind of lyrics like i did back then which is not a not a a big story like i've been doing the last few records and that was something that excited me and i wanted to do anyway because i was kind of not getting bored with the whole huge story thing the concept album thing i just i was kind of feeling like i was in a corner and and i was i was supposed to be doing it rather than wanting to do it right so when we decided to do colors too i was like oh i'm gonna treat it like you know, like I did back then, just go out and write, not have a huge purpose. And, and because of the year, it, it was almost like journal entries for me. You know, I would just go out when, 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 you know, ideas sparked something and I, w- I would go out in the woods, you know, as, as much as I could and just sit down and, and write. And, um, I think because of that, you know, I, I created some, some lyrical themes and, um, just moods in general that I think a lot of people will relate to just because of the year I was in. And I think I was feeling probably certain things that everybody was feeling. And, you know, it was, it was the first time in a long time, I kind of got to like let off some steam through lyrics rather than just like diving into a story I'm making up. So that it was uh, therapeutic in that sense. So I know that was all over the place, but yeah, I mean, I I think (laughs) overall like the pandemic, with all its negatives, I think it really helped the album in a way.
1: Yeah, I've got a few I've got a few follow ups. was something really, really interesting. You said that you mentioned how um, this is the most, most collaborative process you've ever really had in terms of writing an album. Yeah. Um, and yet you were never in the same room at all. So mm. um, I listened to this. I listened to this new album. We reviewed it on, on the podcast. We loved it. Um, and mm-hmm. I was I was astonished at some of the transitions that you seem to seamlessly go from one genre to another um yeah. almost almost on a dime now i my, my natural assumption uh was surely they would have sat in a room and figured that out you know what i mean like you, <laughs> you, you play along with each other and you say oh you're gonna do that bit there and we're gonna do that drum roll yeah. here that leads to this. but without no, you in us. the room at all how does the transitions go does the does your drummer come in and say oh i've got this latin part that i want to include and then the, the guitar um, the, the guitar's gonna say, how does that work exactly
2: i mean it changes a lot i mean it really depends mm. on the song and the part um but I mean, we've been we've been working like that for quite a while. I mean, we 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 normally get up maybe two or three times before we record to kind of just go over some ideas that we've been working on. But for the most part, we always write remotely and kind of individually. And and it's something that's really worked for us for a while now. And I think just because so much work and so much like small minute detail goes into like little things that you can only do when you're sitting by yourself and and working on it, you know? And, and it, and I think that's what, you know, when you have five guys working on different things, um, you know, there's a lot of variety. We all write very differently, but I mean, as far as transitions, it's just, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's not something we really are super aware of how, how the process works. It just, we make it work, you know? I mean, people come in with, you know, a riff where people come in with a section or a, or a good chunk of a song, it, it, it changes a lot. And, you know, we all, I think one thing that people don't realize is that we're, like a lot of times there's multiple things happening at once. Like maybe me and Dan will be working on one song and Paul and Blake will be working on something else. And yeah, I mean, and certain, you know, I think we all have strengths and weaknesses and some guys are, are really good at making things flow uh, like you said like genres work really well together and flow and yeah i mean it's all just kind of we we go off how how we're feeling and we're all very honest like you know if things don't feel right we're very vocal about it and, it's, and we're very particular about stuff like you're talking like things because yeah jumping genres is, is cool but if it's not done well it's yeah. it's a mess it's a total mess you know and and if something feels jagged or doesn't feel comfortable at all you know that that bothers us so there's a lot of it's a very it's a time consuming process like going through and just ironing out every little thing so um yeah we're just very meticulous and um yeah we, we, we kind of have our our the way we do things down really well but we're really bad at explaining how how that works <laughs> <laughs> no
1: it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a natural process in the end i guess yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just something it's you know i mean be.
2: just like anybody creative i mean i'm sure even you know when, when you write or anything it's like it's it's hard to kind of explain like how you get in that mindset and what yeah. you're doing you know because it's so different for everyone and you know a lot of times it just kind of happens which is that's when it's really working is when you're not thinking at all you know stuff yeah. just kind of you know, because I've, I've written sections that I'm like, I don't even remember writing that. It just kind of happened, you know, <laughs> which is, but that's, it's cool, man. I mean, that's, that's when it works. So.
1: Yeah. So that's fair to say that there, there, there are moments, there are moments in great music where you just lose yourself and, and that yeah, both for yeah. the listener and for the writer And I said that sort of, yeah, there's that symmetry there. And I want to just specifically <clears throat> talk to you about one of your singles. I want to talk about Fix the Error." Now yep. I've played drums for 15 years badly. But I've played, <laughs> and um, So that, that Same song so, <laughs> so that song for me was a bit like um, looking at an epiphany. Really, I yeah. saw it's one of the, the best pieces of drumming I've ever heard. And then you find out like it was three drummers, and then yeah. you do that thing where you try and figure out well one drummer part ends and the other. Try. Yeah. How did how did that process happen? How did the drummers' selections that you made happen? How did that how did that process come together from start point to end? I'm so curious. Um,
2: yeah, it was it was pretty simple honestly i mean blake blake's kind of had that idea for a while now he's always kind of talked about it and and he started working on fix the era in the in the early stages of it he initially was like I, I want this section to be the drum cell idea i've been talking about and you know being the band we are we're like yeah let's go for it you know we'll um you know let us know what drummers you think and, and we'll kind of go from there I mean, there was a few drummers we had in mind but those were like the the ones that we were all very interested in, in interested in and uh he reached out and they they all said yes but you know we wanted to to give people that you know we either were really good friends toured with a bunch or or someone like i mean like kenneth shock from candaria for instance is somebody that you know i think we all kind of grew up listening to candaria and and kind of obsessing over his drumming and um you know poor Noy, like really i think it's cool to have him on it because he was such a a helpful uh, person in regards to colors. One, he was like a huge yeah. He loved the album, didn't he? he gave it yeah, interview yeah, about yeah. it. He was his album of the year. Yeah, so it was really cool to kind of you know we toured with him back then, and you know he's he's such a good dude, and yeah, it was cool to have him be part of it because of that. And Naveen, you know, we've been touring with him, God, since he was a teenager. You know, you know, we for 16, 17 years probably, and he's just a phenomenal musician. So yeah, it came together really quickly and. We didn't actually have the solos to where we were almost done with the record. And Blake, you know, was just like, "I got them," and you know, and there it's not there was no tweaks. we were like, "Yeah, this is perfect." You yeah, know, it's great. And the it's way incredible. I think one thing I really like about it is I, I love the way that Yen's the guy that mixed our album. The way he mixed it, when you listen to it on headphones, it sounds like they're in a room together. Like he did a really cool job with that. Like, rather than just randomly placing, it sounds yeah. like, you know, one, you know, it sounds like the kits are in different areas. So they're all in, in a room, which I like little details like that. So, yeah, that was, it was that beautiful, was a beautiful nice little together. icing on the cake.
1: Yeah. Nice icing on the cake. Yeah. So I it just it's just sort of moments like that. I just massive for like those sort of music nerds like me because I'm a Dream Theater fan. I love Mark Portnoy. Uh, i remember watching him um i remember watching him play with Avenged sevenfold and he was just yeah. throwing a drumstick to back and forth <laughs> between him and the him and the him and the roadie at the side and just catching it just uh, just a, 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 a mystical musician um so yeah. having that sort of moments bringing it together um i wanted to i wanted to talk to you a little bit um about about the genre as a whole because you, you touched on something a little bit there when you talked about we want to prove yourself again on Mm Colours 2, and when you came out in Colours 1, that was kind of like a little bit like you're breaking out party, do you know what I mean? Um, We'll talk about that comparison between those two. So I did a little bit of research. Um, In 2007, um, the big albums, that prog slash metalcore albums of the year were Machine Has the Blackening, Devin Townshead, Ziltor, The Omni Essence, Dream Theater, Systematic Chaos, Dillinger Escape Plans, Oilworks. And now you've got 2021, you've got bands like Periphery, you've got bands like Mm -hmm. Oceans of Slumber. Um, What are the biggest differences in the genre the, the, the you've sort of like you went away from a little bit in terms of the concept album stuff that you're going back to with colors now you sort of return to that prog metal core, um, that prog metal core stylings. How has the genre changed since since 2007? What's different? You talk about proving yourself. Is there an element where you've you've the, is the competition for between the buried and me? Is that what it's sort of
2: like? Is that no. the ambition there at all? No, we, we've never felt competition. I mean, honestly. I I I'm a huge believer, and you know I love music. I, I love mm. bands, and and I'm I'm a if a band's good and I enjoy them, I'm gonna I'm a, I'm gonna talk about it. You know, it's not like I'm like oh damn, they're good. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's awesome. Yeah. I love I, lo- I love playing with bands that are really good. I mean, for instance, we toured with with Devin in Europe, which I'm a huge fan, and and Leprous was on the tour. And at that mm. point, I'd heard of them, but I'd never heard of them, and I, you know, I became like a, a Hard fan during that tour every night i was just like oh my god these guys and they were playing before us and you know naturally i was like holy shit we have to follow this these guys are phenomenal but it's like no this is awesome it's awesome this exists it's awesome that this this band is so fucking good and i didn't know about it you know it's it's, <laughs> it's cool and i mean as far i don't know it, it's tough to talk about like this the scene or i mean we've never mm. really felt part of like one particular group um I don't know. I mean, it's it's constantly changing. I mean, I think now more than ever, it, it's definitely more kind of straying away from the extreme metal side of things and more just on, the, on the, uh, I guess, more pop sensibilities with a lot of the bands, which is fine. I mean, it's it's obviously whatever your taste is. Um, but I don't know. It, it's tough to... I can't say that I'm just like the prog scene. I don't even know what that really is consist of you know because that definition so it's kind of thrown around now um but yeah i mean there's so there's so much good music still yeah. and i think bands are still really pushing the envelope and um i wish i had bands in particular on the top of my head right now but besides lepers <laughs> they're all they're <laughs> no. always doing I, they're, they're cool man i i think it's cool because i like bands that you don't know what to expect with with their albums you know I, know, I, I get bored when it's like, oh, okay, they're doing that still. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, they're and they're, that... they're one of those bands that like when they do something new, it's like, oh, it's it's different. You're trying something new. And that's exciting to me. Same with Devin. I mean, I think there's a lot of people like that. Yeah,
1: I think I think that's I think that's fair to say. You you, you, you don't want to be put in a box, you don't want to be defined by a yeah. certain thing. And there's there becomes a narrative. that has been where... our
2: thing since day one. We've just we love that we kind of fit in different places. You know, we've been able to tour with bands like the deer hunter or fucking children of Bodom or cannibal corpse, you know, and like all these different dream theater, you know, it's cool that we can somehow kind of weave our way. I mean, we never really feel part of anything, which sometimes can be weird, but the positive of that is like, we're able to kind of weave our way in and out of all these different types of tours and bands and, and hopefully, came some new fans in the process
1: so. yeah I, I definitely i definitely think that and and i think really when you talk about metal music in general extreme music we talk about the podcast and every couple of months we think to ourselves sure the lines here now in terms of music yeah. ability and it just the ceiling just keeps getting higher and higher and higher um and, and then you, you hear the new arch
2: spire and you're like what "The fuck? you heard that man <laughs> i haven't i haven't oh I yeah have to check that out
1: there's, it's like there's... Te-
2: it's like tech death metal it's they're awesome but yeah they're it's, it's ridiculous. It's like in- inhuman shit, you know? <laughs> well,
1: well, that's the thing. We, reviewed, uh, we cool. reviewed a band very similar to that. We reviewed a band called Ophidian Eye a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And they released a, a tech death, same sort of thing. And yeah. every every couple of months, I think that we've reached the, the limit of what fingers yeah. can do on a guitar. And then there's yeah. like four dudes from like Minnesota or something that have just changed everything. And these guys are from like yeah. Scandinavia and they're just unbelievable.
2: Yeah. Um it's and crazy. It just,
1: it just happens over
2: and over and, we and learned, over again. And we learned that, we learned that early on because we'll, when we were young, like the early days, we, you know, admittedly we were like, all right, we got to show what, you know, what how it yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, And as we've gotten older, we're like, okay, we're, we're not trying to do it. We're just trying to write some good songs. You know, obviously our music is technical here and there, but yeah, there, it, I feel like so many bands are like, yeah, well, we're gonna do this. And you guys can't even, you can't even come here with us. i'm like, that's fine. I love, I love that's how crazy. you said our
0: music
1: is technical here and there, and you lead single to drum solo. I, I've just got, I got, got so much
2: time but that's technical
1: here and there, and it's like an error in too many. Yeah, but the cool thing, but like
2: fix the error, for instance. Even though, like, yeah, technically there's like some crazy stuff on it, but it's a pretty. I mean, it's song as far as song structure, it's a pretty. Yeah it's a pretty simple song like as far as song structure it's just kind of interesting along the way and i th- i think that's what's something that's gotten more exciting to us as we've as we've gotten older is like you know crafting these these interesting songs that that can be catchy yet yeah, they yeah. can be odd and you know kind of take you for a little ride here and there and so
1: yeah so uh, talking about the, the way that you sort of write those I was curious because you, you you've got the, the metalcore aspect on certain mm-hmm. bits. You know, there's the screaming, there's growling, and then there's moments where we're just slipping away. There's there's a bit that felt like a folk song about halfway through the album. I was like, where have I been taking here? <laughs> there's there's this sort of like jazz Latin bar. There was a clave in the the second song. There's this Latin drum beat. I was like, what is happening here? Um, yeah. You talked about you talked about it coming naturally when it comes to the, the other side of things, like the metal elements, the the quote unquote mm-hmm. standard tropes of prog metal. Do you feel like um, any op- you, you might just be like no next question? But do, is there any obligation that you feel at all to sort of every so often bring it back to the blueprint, so to speak, or is it like a um, I don't know, just a fluid process entirely?
2: For the most part, it's fluid. I mean, there has been times in our career that we're like, shit, should we should we try to be a little heavier here or, um, but i don't know it's something we don't really think about i think it's just however we're writing in that moment you know for instance for me i go through phases where i'm like wanting to write either heavy stuff or not heavy stuff or write on a keyboard or write on a guitar like i just go through these phases and you know with this new record i remember when i was writing i was real i, I kind of had a metal itch so a lot of this you know a lot of i was picking up a guitar and writing you yeah. know death metal riffs and stuff which i hadn't done in a while and in, I kind of I got that itch out because I'm now I'm kind of moved on from that but um yeah it's weird I I think naturally we were just kind of in a place and it might it might be our circumstance too of last year I think there was it was an aggressive year <laughs> and um
1: it's bad to say
2: yeah um I don't know but we, I don't, I wouldn't say we think about it too much but it is it is in our DNA you know and I think yeah. you know it like as much as you know, there's been moments where I'm like, oh, I want to scream less or any, or stuff like that. Like, the second we're writing and I, I put that scream on, so I'm just like, oh, that's that's BT band. You know, that's our sound. You know, there's, like, yeah, certain things that, like, bring it back to being us, and we don't want to really – we don't want to alienate that, unless it's just something we hate, which we don't. We, we really yeah, like we, – we, we like the aggressive side of, of music. and um, But, yeah, you try not to think about, like – expectations i guess and what people people want um because it will get in your head you know the the thing about an album is it's a capsule of of you in that moment and you want to write you know honestly for how you're feeling in that moment and and i think that's why our albums are so diverse is because the way we all write changes um over the years and you know like like you said there's a a little folk thing in the song you know there's i forget who wrote that but you know there we're all kind of like we, we like trying these new things and um, you know, and, and it changes. And, and, and I think the coolest thing about like, when you're talking about a writing processes, we're really good at feeding off one another. Like for instance, if somebody writes a part of a section and you know, I hear it, I'm like, Oh, this little chunk, this, this chord progression, I kind of hear to something else like, Oh, I could make that, that a totally different thing. Just this, the same chord progression. And it kind of, you know, it gives it new life and, and it makes the song more interesting because you can put, you know, because it has the same four progressions, then it can t- turn the song into something completely different. And there's there's so much of that. And Dan in particular is really, really good at like taking like stuff that someone writes and kind of bring it to a, whole, you know, a totally different world, which I think that's a big, that's a big trick uh, that we do is just, you know, I mean, answer the sky, people always talk about the bluegrass part yeah um it, it's just the chorus just and you know it's the the, co- the chorus chord progression is just as bluegrass and i if i remember correctly paul was just messing around playing it like that and and we were like that sounds cool How, what is that and he's like oh it's just the, the chorus you know on acoustic <laughs> kind of play and we're like dude let's try to work that in you know it's cool so it's just, it's just trying to be cohesive and not yeah. random like you know you have to be musical as well so it's it's that's the, fun, that's the fun stuff. I, I love writing because of that, because you don't know what's going what's gonna to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I love I listening to the album and hearing that sort of thing. There was a Your final song, which was 15 minutes long, mm-hmm. and it starts off just really heavy and up-tempo and fast-paced. And then yeah. by the end, there's that little bit that sounds a little bit like a harpsichord and then comes back in yeah. into this final sort of combination. It's like when you're watching a film and you're kind of figuring out who the murderer is 15 seconds before it's revealed. And it was like, like oh, that. that's that. That's the bit from here. And you and sort of like yeah. piecing things together. I love that music can do that. Yeah, there's, some, there's that. some
2: little. Yeah, there's some little uh, Easter eggs at the end of that song. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and some I wanted, to, throw, I wanted to talk about that a little bit,
1: um, the Easter eggs specifically, then we'll get on to our lightning round. Um, you mentioned that there are various Easter eggs. If you're a diehard uh, BT BAM sort of fan, you're going to immediately sort of pick up on. Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you said everything appears full circle when you were talking about these um, these Easter eggs in an interview. And it says in that case, then I've got to ask, does that imply that Colours 2 is a two-parter that we've now closed the chapter on? Or does the Easter eggs imply perhaps that there's a colors three or is that even? No,
2: I hope not. I don't want to do, this again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it again. Just so I have to explain in interviews why we did a third one. <laughs> you know, That's a, that's a fair question.
1: That's a fair, if we're having this conversation in four years about more Easter eggs, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. take it back. Don't worry about it.
2: No, that, yeah, we just wanted to, you know, that was something we talked about when the idea came about. It's like, yeah, we have to, we have to incorporate some things here and there but we don't want to sit down and listen to colors one and recreate it you know we want yeah, we wanted course. we wanted this new record to really stand on its own and and you could even not like colors one and hopefully like colors two you know obviously we've we've changed quite a bit since then but yeah the little easter egg things it's just i mean we've always done callbacks like even if people don't notice it there's a lot there like there is even callbacks now that like like damn be like oh yeah you know that that was in this song like something we're playing on tour i'm like oh yeah i totally forgot that's even the same part you know we so we've always kind of done stuff like that but um yeah we made some real subtle ones on the new album and and then there's some pretty obvious ones that we wanted to do um and lyrically i made some kind of obvious ones just for for the fan's sake i think i I think it'll be cool you know but we didn't want to you know cover a song or anything no
1: no of, of course
2: of but course. yeah it, that's look. just something that's just something fun to do it, it's fun to kind of like it's challenging it's challenging to do it tastefully and, and make it work within like a new song and yeah um, yeah i think i think we did a good job
1: i like that i like that you sort of creating these sort of little games and challenges to yourself yeah,
2: yeah.
1: i got, got a lot of time for that it's like um so you like always watch the, the last dance you know michael jordan talking about like inventing things to be angry just about before i started games.
2: i just started that actually
1: oh man, yeah. it's the it's the best documentary it's, ever seen it's really
2: good yeah yeah, yeah. it was he, actually because we're on, he's a lunatic. It on it was it was uh, on a in a dressing room the other day i watched like three episodes in a row i was
1: like oh, that's great this was really really good i'm a massive basketball yeah. fan anyway i'm a massive Michael jordan guy, yeah. like 90s and all that sort of stuff but just yeah. watching it sort of laid out in that way really was really sort of impressive um i just want to say thank you so much for for sort of giving your time we've got one more round for you yeah. it's a, a lightning round so Uh-oh. what happens is you've got yeah sorry I'm bad on We've got twenty quick fire questions. Um, the the game is just answer them as quickly as you can, and we've got a scoreboard. And I Gosh. think the qu- the quickest one was with Chris, and I think I answered every question in around a minute forty, a minute forty five, which is is pretty impressive as, as as things go. They're not difficult questions. I'm not going to ask you now okay. sort of like scientific theorems or anything like that but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see how we can go okay so Alrighty. whenever you're ready we'll make a start and then uh, that'll be us all right, all right fantastic all right okay starting the timer now pizza or pasta uh
2: shit pasta
1: batman or superman batman winter or summer winter early mornings or late nights
2: uh early mornings favorite geek you've ever been to oh shit uh Nine Inch nails. Oh, nice. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Chinese food or Indian food? Chinese.
1: Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks? Hanks. Nice. Hot dogs or burgers?
2: Uh vegan burgers.
1: Nice. Uh favorite favorite gig you've ever played?
2: Um shit. That's God. Now <laughs> this is these are the questions I'm terrible at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh I don't know, man. Uh, that's what comes to mind? I don't... I don't pass. Okay. Lord, <laughs> Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Neither. Books I've or films? Neither. Oh, uh, Oh. Films. I haven't yet. Yeah. Man. Best musician in the band? God. That's tough. Because you have technical ability. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say Paul. Okay,
1: night out or night in?
2: Um, night in.
1: Favorite song you've ever written?
2: God damn it! <laughs> 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 like me, written the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. favorite song
1: you've ever written, or had an writing involvement in? We can oh. we can generalize it
2: if you want to. That's fine. Well, that's that's a lot. I've written a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, um I'm bad. I'm bad at this. It's the okay. intro to, to the intro to colors too. Okay.
1: that is beautiful <laughs> to be fair. Uh sweet things or savory things?
2: Savory. Okay. Favorite album of all time? Mm, I don't have one. Okay. I'll just say the I'll just say the Beatles
1: okay okay um i love the Beatles. man revolver amazing um um, dogs or cats uh cats bath or shower shower and finally best piece of advice you could ever give someone
2: be patient
1: nice nice okay two minutes 34 you know that's not bad yeah that's not bad okay you got to about 15 questions and you were like on pace
2: yeah
1: but you did um you did really really well so thank you so much for your time with that I really really appreciate it. Um thanks for coming on. Um yeah man so that's Tommy between the buried and me. Thank you so much for having us. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate no, it. Pleasure. Have a good one, man. See and you. yourself, thank you so much. Bye bye. bye.